Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well met, fellow adventurers. I'm back to Proving Ground 6. This will be the 10th episode about it. Where I shall be doing the scenario called The Chasm of Time. Yeah, so when we previously left, this big scary witch was going to fight us. But we're going to deal with that. At the conclusion of the previous part, Caliph tells you when the gate is opened, you pass into the chasm of time, you're beyond even her reach. And none of these previous junctures have even opened the gate, she says. The last two junctures saw you arrive with agents of the enemy immediately at her heels. Her last meeting in this chamber never took place. You burst through the door, pursued by your foes, and fell in that corner. I've taken steps to to see this time we are not completely caught off, not caught completely off guard. Still unclear about much of what has been said. Let's go what you must do upon entering the chasm. <coughs> the chasm of time is a whiff between the vast multitudes of times and places, he says. It is a void of wonder and terror. The seven coins you possess will lead you to your destination. You need only trust them to guide you without hesitation. Your destination will be somewhere in this world soon. But in the past, the seer glances at the chain-clad man standing near the door, and then returns our gaze to you. Where the coins lead you, 
you will encounter a young boy by the name of Wedliff Tullock. In his possession, you are likely to find a book. The book is this one. Caliph holds up one of the journals. It is the journal you discovered, hidden beneath the floor in the Five Knots Inn in Migspell. Storied indeed are the histories of those, these journals, she says, noting your aroused interest. This one, which I believe you found in Migspell, has perhaps the most tales to tell. It will be will be in young Wainliff Tumult's possession. If it is not, you will know where to find it. You must find it, Soup, and you must destroy it. You believe you now fully understand the purpose of your mission by obtaining and destroying the journal in the past, which presently lies just across the table from where you now sit. You will have significantly altered the course of events that have led to this very moment. It's a caliph's obvious belief and your profound hope that this particular alteration will have the designed effect of preventing the nightmarish finality of a nameless enemy's sinister designs. Certainly, a dreadful thought dawns on you. Not willing to allow the emotion to pass out of mind, you promptly tell the seer that you will not under any circumstances harm the child. Even if your position should bring your task to ruin. Even at the expense of the mission? She asks. Though you sense she already knows your answer. You nod firmly. The seer reaches below the table and picks up a small, worn, leather-bound book and hands it to you. You would do well to keep this with you. And to exchange it for the journal, she says. Harming the child is not foreseen, so you need not fret over it. You must destroy the journal, Soup. On this, there can be no compromise. At the conclusion of the previous part, a brutal battle against Humalea, one of the two witches of Cardson, and several massive stone and iron constructs followed your destruction with Carlos. It was at the conclusion of the fight. You lost sight of the seer and willed the magical gate to open. The portal that would take you to the chasm of time. Varendor, the seer's garden, guardian, volunteered to go with you. You stepped back from Hulea's weaving corpse and turned to look for Carlif. There was no sign of the seer in the smoke-filled chamber, but you immediately spot her, silent, companion, Valador, making his way towards you. You must go now, he says, his gentle, almost feminine voice, the furthest from what you expected. There is no time left. There is no time left. Open the gate. You can will it open. I will come with you. The sudden, fearing, sighing sound of heavy footfalls approaching along the passage outside the chamber as an even deeper sense of urgency to Valador's directive. Without, without knowing quite what you're doing, but feeling as if you're being bided by an unseen force, you take hold of the seven platinum coins and cup them in your hands. The conclusion of the previous part. Velador steps closer to you, but suddenly pauses unnaturally in mid-step. For a fleeting instant, your head feels like it's swimming. Disorientation fades quickly, 
fades as quickly as woes, leaving no lingering effects in his wake. You must go now, says Valdor, his gentle, almost feminine voice, the furthest from what you expected. There is no time left. Open the gate. You can will it open. I will come with you. The sudden, fear-inspiring sound of heavy footfalls approaching on the passage outside the chamber, and an even deeper sense of urgency than Valador's directive. Without knowing quite what you're doing, almost as feelings if you're guided by an unseen force, you take hold of the seven platinum coins and cup them in your hands. Your eyes widen as a wide, pulsing black vortex swiftly takes form in front of you. You glance at Valador, and he nods, motioning for you to enter the portal. Without further hesitation, you step forward and into the summoned gate. You immediately find yourself tumbling through a lightless void. At the conclusion of the previous part, as you step into the void, you, conclude, you struggle to gain control of your motion, in an effort to stop from wildly spinning in all directions. After a lengthy struggle, you manage to steady yourself. Almost immediately, you catch sight of Valdor plummeting down from above, his arms outstretched, as if he believes it will somehow slow his descent. Before you can attempt to communicate with your newfound companion, you once again begin to spin and flip haphazardly. The conclusion of the previous, previous part. You gain control of your motion and manage to turn over so that your gaze is focused upwards in an attempt to spot the spot Valador. Your heart skips a beat and a deep sense of dread rushes over you as your eyes settle upon a most upon a welcome sight tumbling through the void above you. In the space occupied by Valador only moments ago is the mass sorceress Tumifra. From above the whim of the blackened wooden mass that covers her face, her fierce green eyes blaze with hatred. It's at that moment you realise a fight to death with the last living witch of Cardson is in your immediate destiny. And now, so it turns out she wasn't exploded. When we exploded that tunnel that we blew up just before we were a couple of episodes back. Uh, but now... Oh, go on. Next, next page, please. Your attention is suddenly torn from Tuifa as you hurtle through a dense cloud of frigid mist. As you plunge into the thick, churning sea of vapours, you lose all sense of direction. Without warning, the mist vanishes, and much to surprise, you find yourself standing on solid ground beneath a swirling ceiling of dark grey clouds in the midst of a vast, craggy plain. Instinctively, you stare about in every direction, taking in your unfamiliar soundings as you attempt to determine if you are alone. As your head turns to your left, to the left, your pulse quickens there, twenty yards from you, standing at the base of a tall mound of broken earth, is the last living witch of Cardson. The masked sorcerer extends her white hand and places it against a nearby boulder, steadying herself as she takes a step towards you. 
Terrific suits her left hand skyward. Not once the ground beneath <coughs> your feet begins trembling. A thick, swirling band of grey mist takes form just above the span that lies between you and the sorceress. The mist quickly descends upon you. In a matter of moments, you're completely enveloped by the dense fog. A powerful, disorientating sensation washes over you. The sense of disorientation slowly starts to fade, and as it does, the mist that envelops you begins to lift. As the fog dissipates, you're startled to find your wary gaze settling upon a scene entirely different from the one which confronted you only moments ago. As you struggle to regain your bearings and acclimatise to new surroundings, and to the scenario now unfolding before you, you begin to understand you've been transported back to another time and place. Standing beneath a ceiling of stars at the far end of a narrow cobbled lane, in the midst of what appears to be a vast city, you watch as a group of four guardsmen stop before a low stone building. One of the guards steps forward and raps on the door, rattling the uneven timbers with each echoing blow. Where's your grandson, Bursig? calls out the guard as he sees his knocking. There aren't any more chances for him. Send him out. I've got the authority to come and take him. Having studied the guard's attire for a few moments, you realise you are somewhere on the streets of Talinus. The guard steps back as the door swings open. Framed in the shadowy doorway, his frail hand clutching an iron wad is an elderly man. Thin strands of long white hair spill from his head and splash down over his bony shoulders. He mutters something and levels his guard, wad at the four guardsmen. He's not here, he grumbles. His gravelly voice and unpleasant tone, lending him a more formidable presence than he might otherwise have achieved. You keep knocking about this way and a lot of you will carry yourself off with some blups. You've got no business here. The guard, who previously rapped at the door, places his hands on his lips and tells the old man that his grandson has again been accused of stealing wares from the market. The elderly man snorts and taps the threshold with the tip of his wad. A little owl, was it? He's a sickly lad, I'll have you know, who's quite cheated swamp fever out of his prize. He barely steps out of the house. When he does, he's certainly not roaming about this wretched city. He's provided for here. There's no cause to steal anything. The old man continues to argue with the guardsman. You spot a small shape slinking through the shadows on the opposite side of the lane. Your heart pounds in your chest when the face of a young boy, perhaps no older than ten, suddenly appears at the edge of a swath of moonlight. The boy turns to face you and you immediately are profoundly struck by, by his appearance. From beneath... His fierce dark eyes that protrudes a nose that appears to have been badly broken, perhaps more than once. His sunken cheeks and sharp, short chin give him 
an eerie bird-like profile. You realise, without any doubt, that you're looking at a youthful version of the companion and master thief you knew as Owl. He's alive! Yay! <laughs> Suddenly, Owl, his gaze fixed firmly on you, holds a finger up to his lips, thinking he does not want you to draw attention to his location. Now, a fateful decision. Inexplicably, you feel your destiny may in some way be linked to the choice you're about to make. So I have two options. I can alert the guards to Owl's presence. Hmm. Hmm. I think he'll probably get away anyway, because he's the Owl. The Owl is good at that. And also, they're going to take him away. That doesn't look like a nice thing. I mean, he probably did steal something, but still. Nope, I will remain as I am. I mean, snitches get stitches, as they say. Still concealed in a deeper gloom at the end of the narrow lane, you turn your gaze from Owl and look back at the elderly man, presumably Owl's grandfather, and the four guardsmen at his door. Suddenly, one of the guards starts to turn around just as I was slinking out of the shadows and making for the mouth of an alley several yards along the street. Weirdly realise that unless you intervene, you will likely be discovered and caught. Hmm. Another fateful decision. Do I attempt to aid Owl's escape? Or do I do nothing? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I am messing with time here. Yes, it's all a bit... Yeah, it's hard to say, hard to say. Uh, I'm going to... Um, uh, don't want to mess with time. I'm going to do nothing. You remain where you are and watch as the fleet-footed youth disappears into the alley. His flight has not gone unnoticed. One of the companions cries out and starts towards the alley. Two of his companions follow suit, and from and from the from your concealed vantage point, he watches the men rush into the narrow passage in pursuit of the young gal. A sharp sound of something being forcefully struck turns your attention back to the lone remaining guardsman and the old man, presumably Al's grandfather, just son to see the elderly man standing over the old motionless body of the guard, his thin, trembling hands clutching the iron rod that has just incapacitated the younger fellow. Without warning, a thick, swirling band of grey mist takes form, dust overhead, and swiftly descends, rapidly enveloping you in a churning sea of dense fog. A powerful, disorientating sensation washes over you. The sense of disorientation slowly starts to fade, and as it does, the mist that envelops you begins to lift. As the fog dissipates, you're startled to find your wary gaze, setting itself upon a scene entirely different from the one that confronted you only moments ago. Okay, where and when am I? As you struggle to regain your bearings, 
and acclimate to your new surroundings into the scenario now unfolding before you. The end to understand you've just been transported back to another time and place. You're standing at the edge of a small, sun-filled clearing, several yards to the west of a winding forest road. On the far side of the, of the bright, grassy, treeless swath, currently oblivious to your presence, is a tall, broad-shouldered, bearded man, clad in a mix of leather and furs. A short bolt bow is strung across his wide back. The man kneels down and begins to work at something lying on the ground before him. For several moments, you realise he's dressing the carcass of a deer. Suddenly, you take note of a small child standing off to his right, peering into the trees that border the clearing. The young girl is perhaps no more than seven years old, yet dangling from the wide boat belt that circles her waist. <coughs> is a long-bladed knife. The position of the sun, blazing high overhead, indicates that it's dust after midday. Your well-trained eyes suddenly catch in sight of something slipping through the trees along the western edge of the clearing. Your pulse quickens when you spot a lone goblin sneaking through the undergrowth. Its cruel eyes fixed on a human standing less than a dozen yards from you. Much to dismay, your gaze wanders further to the west, and you discover nearly a dozen of the savage creatures moving furtively through the woods, deliberately trailing the leader of the hunt. Recalling your previous encounter with the young gal, you realise any action you take here could irrevocably alter your own time and place a time and place you desperately hope to return to. Despite this nagging fear and your keen desire to help the unsuspecting humans, you're unable to determine how it may be connected to you. Alright, so I've got a few options here. Shout a warning to the man. Hmm. Attempt to intercept the impending goblin attack. Or do nothing. I will attempt to intercept the impending goblin attack. You'll hopefully determine how you will be able to intercept the impending goblin attack. I could use archery. If I was high, I could use illusion, but it's not high enough. Or attempt to place yourself between the goblins and their prey. I will use archery. You've successfully used your archery skill. You launch four arrows in rapid succession, cutting down three of the shade goblins and seriously wounding a fourth. Bewildered by the devastating unexpected attack, the remainder of the cowardly goblin band turns and takes flight, dashing off wildly into the forest. Alerted by the sound of the fleeing goblins, the bearded Huntsman and the young girl at his side turn and stare towards the trees to the west. Only moments after your deadly volley, however, the vicious creatures are nowhere to be seen. The bearded, the bearded man suddenly spots you and salutes you with a friendly wave. Despite your urge to return the greeting, 
you're not certain whether or not you should directly interact with either the huntsman or the young girl at her side. The thing is not returning the greeting is probably more likely to be remembered. So I shall move over and greet the huntsman. As you, you cross the clearing, the bearded man waves and again and starts towards you. He subtly turns and instructs the young girl to continue dressing the deer's carcass. It's the mention of the child's name that nearly causes your heart to skip a beat. The huntress calls the girl, Tenebrera, suddenly. Without warning, a thick, swirling band of grey mist takes form just overhead and swiftly descends, rapidly enveloping you in a churning sea of dense fog. A powerful, disorientating sensation washes over you. The sense of orientation slowly starts to fade, and as it does, the mist that envelops you begins to lift. As the fog dissipates, you're startled to find your wary gaze settling upon a scene entirely different from the one that confronted you only moments ago. As you struggle to regain your bearings and climatise your surroundings, realise you're once again standing on the wide, craggy plain, beneath the swirling ceiling of dark grey clouds. You suddenly spot Tamitha, the masked sorceress, the last surviving witch of Carson, standing two dozen yards from you. Her fierce eyes blaze with hatred. The sorcerer shoots her left hand sideward, and at once the ground at your feet, beneath your feet begins trembling. Several seconds later, a broad vortex of mix, mist appears several yards behind her. Tuatha begins to retreat towards what you assume, and hope is a magical portal out of this strange world. Before you can even contemplate your next move, a wide, glowing band of red haze begins to appear before you and the departing sorceress. Several large, dark silhouettes take form in the mist of the haze. You quickly assume a descent defensive stance as five silver-armoured tazzle emerge from the crimson band. The armoured reptilians sliver forward and attack, their plated arms bursting into flames as they surge at you. Is there anywhere I can go where I'm not facing these guys? I've went beyond the impossible and they're still fighting me. <sighs> armoured Tazzle, one of five. The armour tussle swipes at you with its plated, fire-weaved arms. And I get into battle rage. Just as too many of you. You're everywhere and everyone. Yeah. Okay, just keep fighting these. Bash, 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 bash. There goes the first one. 73 experience. You step over the remains of the slain Tazol and boldly engage the second of the cruel snake men. Begin combat with this one. You're engulfed by the flames of Eddie's attacks for 23 damage. Yeah, it's the same as all the other ones. Just checking. I'm gonna after I finish this, it's back to quick combating. Now, yeah. come on, internet. Engulfed by the flames for 23. 
three damage. Okay, bash, 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 flames again. And slain. 73 XP. The third Tazor hisses viciously as it slithers forwards and attacks, swiping out at you with its flaming arms. Right, so the third armor Tazor. 73 experience for that. The fourth Tuzzle slithers around the remains of his armor's kin and attacks. Here's the fourth one. Quick combat that. Another 73 experience. You leap over the remains of the fourth Tuzzle and bravely engage the last of the silver armored reptilians. Another armored Tuzzle. Five of five. Quick combat that one. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, I'm very damaged. Hmm, I'm going to use the Quickstone. Yay! The Quickstone shimmers, shimmers and glows bright red as it fully heals you. Yeah, situations like that, that's what you use the Quickstone for. Because as I mentioned before, the failures for dying in a, quick, in a, in a Proving Ground contest are very, very high. 73 experience and then 1024 experience to general. As the last of the armor tuzzle slumps to the ground to your feet and expires, the, the band of red haze from which they emerged vanishes. Your eyes are immediately drawn to the swirling portal of mist opened by Tumrifra. Standing before the vortex, the mass sorceress regards you with taunting glare before turning and disappearing into the mouth of the magical gate. Much to your horror, you realise the vortex has begun to shrunk. The portal is closing. Do I even want to go through this portal? With no desire to allow Tamifra to escape unhindered, or to find yourself trapped in this bleak, unknown well. You sprint across the dang treacherous expanse of broken ground, bounding over chunks of blackened stone and dodging deadly crevasses in a desperate bid to reach the shrinking vortex. Pick a number. Bonus of 59. 20 from agility, 19 from woodmanship, 10 from body, 10 from luck. Need 100 or more. Failure. You're within... Ten yards of the disappearing portal when the misty vortex vanishes. You cry out dismay as your momentum carries you over the very spot where the portal hovered only moments ago. As your mind braces to contemplate what this unsettling turn of events means, you suddenly become aware of something large moving across the barren, craggy plain in your direction. You instinctively spin to your right, where your wary but wizening sigh eyes fall upon a sight that fills you with dread, a sight rapidly drawing closer with each of its lengthy strides. It's... Hmm. It says it's not hers, so it's not one of those... It's not... It's not Timifria. And this, that finishes this scenario. This scenario with 3,072 experience to general and 348 to all skills and powers. And let's see, I think we have enough time for the next one.
The next one is The Chasm of Time, part two. Okay, on to the next one. I just checked um, whether you pass or fail that challenge doesn't really affect things much. Which, of course, makes sense. It would be ridiculous to have to have a huge adventure to stop because you failed one check. Or, you know, die. <laughs> the Chasm of Time, part two. Here we are. Begin the scenario. Okay, conclusion of the previous part. She's she's going into a portal, and I'm chasing after her. Everything around you slows for a fleeting instant. Your head feels like it's swimming. The disorientating sensation fades as quickly as it arose, leaving you no lingering effects in this wake. As the last of the armatures all slumps to the ground at your feet and expires, a band of red. The band of head red haze from which they emerged vanishes. Your eyes are immediately drawn to the swirling portal of mist opened by Tamifra, standing before the vortex. The vast sorceress regards you with taunting glare before turning and disappearing into the mouth of the magical gate. Much to your horror, you realise the vortex has begun to shrink. The portal is closing. With no desire to allow Tamifra to escape unhindered, or to find yourself trapped in this in this bleak, unknown well, you sprint across the treacherous expanse of broken ground, bounding over chunks of blackened stone, and dodging deadly crevasses in the desperate bid to reach the shrinking vortex. Pick a number. Bonus of fifty-nine once again. Need to get a hundred or more. Let's just see what failure. Seventy. You're within ten yards of the disappearing portal when the misty vortex vanishes. You cry out in dismay as your momentum carries you over the very spot in which the portal hovered only moments ago. As your mind races to contemplate what this unsettling turn of events means. You suddenly become aware of something large moving across the barren, craggy plain in your direction. You instinctively spin to your right, where your wary but widening eyes fall upon a sight that fills you with dread. A sight rapidly drawing closer with each of its lengthy strides. But what is it? Across the, the craggy, pit-filled landscape, its strange arcing gate, spanning even the widest of the crevasse, strides a towering skeletal figure. The gargantuan skeletons, fleshless hands, clutch a massive black tome. The tied cover of the colossal book is emblazoned with a platinum star, all like the coins. As the fearsome giant of bone bears down on you, it unhinges its fang-filled jaws, and unleashes a long, wailing cry that echoes across the desolate plain. A particular item may be of use here. Maybe those coins use. You put it to use. 128 experienced the general. Instinctively, almost as if guided by unseen hands, 
Retrieve one of the seven platinum coins, star coins in your possession. And hold it up towards the advancing skeletal giant. The fearsome undead being draws to a halt and appears to recall at the sight of the small coin. After several moments, the massive skeleton resumes its advance. Though you're quick to note its movement has been slowed. You quickly stash the platinum coin back in amongst your other belongings before drawing yourself into a combat-ready stance in preparation for engaging the towering undead menace. The towering skeleton is swiftly upon you. Flames engulf the black, hide-covered tome clutched in his fleshless hands. As the fearsome creature of bone steps forward and attacks, it's a skeletal time warden. But it is slowed. Oh, so uh, that this is a pretty tough one. Flames leap leap from the fire engulfed tome and surge down upon you. Yet this one's a tough one. It's a plus six to roll. Quick stone repeated a twenty. Bash, bash, keep bashing. It's got to keep on bashing. It is slain. 138 XP. With a tremendous war, the towering skeleton collapses back into a heap of bone with a broken ground at your feet. The black, high-covered tome, now weaved in flames, lands in the midst of the pile, and you're forced to leap, leap back to avoid, to avoid becoming engulfed in what quickly becomes a wild blaze. Suddenly, you spot something out the corner of your eye and turn to your right. Your heart leaps when your gaze falls upon a swirling portal of mist, hovering inches above the plane, less than 20 yards distant. Just as quickly, however, your heart sinks when you realise the strange vortex is swiftly closing. Wasting no time, you dash past the remains of the skeleton, in a desperate bid to reach the shrinking portal. With only a split second to spare, you reach the disappearing portal and hurl yourself into the core of the misty vortex. Darkness engulfs you as you tumble headlong into a silent void, hurtling through a corridor over which time and space hold no sway. Your flight into the void doesn't last long. An abrupt bone-jarring halt brings your tumble to an immediate and violent end as your body slams down upon what feels like stony, frigid, unforgiving earth. Awash with staggering pain and cloaked in total darkness, you attempt to roll onto your back, but to your mounting horror, you find you're unable to move. A sudden sound of soft, nearby footballs, footballs fills you with inexplicable dread. That warning, a sudden profound sense of senility descends upon you, staving off the paralysing fear that very nearly overwhelmed you. As your extremities begin to tingle, you find that you are able to twitch the tips of your fingers and once again exert yourself in a bid to turn on your side and face whatever is slowly approaching. Before you even begun the efforts, however, a searing jolt of pain shoots down your spine, causing you to cry out in agony. Your eyes 
flicker for a moment and close. Your ankles are start and instantly regain your feet. No longer in the dark, you stare out across what is seemingly the same bleak, craggy plain. You left only moments ago by the way of the misty portal. The soft crunch of a single step being pressed into the stony ground causes you to spin about. There, a few yards behind you, her spindly arms folded across her chest and her fierce green eyes fixed on you in a hateful stare, stands Tamifra, the last living witch of Cardson. The mysterious horse sorcerers its tail sharply, and you immediately sense her breathing is somewhat ragged, as if she's enduring significant distress. Are you certain you've done what white what's white? she asks, her voice muffled by the blackened wooden mask that covers nearly all her face, save for her eyes. More than you can guess has already been undone. And set into a motion of revenge you could never have anticipated. We stand here, outside the bounds of time. We might do so without end. For time has ticked in our favour. Though I would prefer to stand here, alone. Tamifa unfolds her arms and waves her left hand towards you. So, I have a few options here. Remain where I am. Attack the mass sorceress. Use archery, elementalism, telekinesis, or fortification. I'll give fortification a go. Failed. Your attempted action has failed. So, I can attack the mass sorceress, or remain as I am. I will remain where I am. Tamifa completes the wave of her hand, and you're instantly struck by a powerful blast of telekinetic energy. Pick a number. Bonus of 40. 20 for agility, 10 for body, 10 for luck. Need 75 or more. Success. 129. The invisible blast strikes you square in your chest, and sends you toppling backwards into the jagged, unforgiving earth of the craggy plain. Despite 41 damage, despite having su- suffered a large amount of damage in the attack, your resilience has spared you the worst of it. You jagger to your feet, you stagger to your feet, and prepare to rush at the mass sorceress, just as she appears to be preparing to unleash another attack. You rush towards the mass sorceress and attempt to engage her, before she's able to unleash her impending attack. Pick a number. Bonus of 59. 20 from agility, 20 from body, 19 from woodmanship. Need 100 or more. Failure. 91. Before you can reach the sorceress, she again completes a wave of her hand, and you're instantly struck by a powerful blast of telekinetic energy. Okay, I've got a... Pick a number. Bonus 40. Need 75 or more. Success. 138. The invisible blast strikes you squarely in the chest and sends you toppling backwards into the jagged, unforgiving earth of the craggy plain. 46. Stand number points lost. 
Despite having suffered a large amount of damage in the attack, your resilience has spared you the worst of it. You stagger to your feet and prepare to rush at the vast sorceress, just as she appears to be preparing to unleash another attack. You rush forward, you rush towards the mass sorceress and attempt to engage her before she's able to unleash her impending attack. Pick a number. Bonus of 59, need 100 or more, failure. Before you can reach the sorceress, she again completes a wave of her hand and you're instantly struck by a powerful blast of telekinetic energy. Pick a number. Bonus 40, need 75. Success! With 82, the invisible blast strikes you squarely in your chest and sends you toppling backwards into the jagged, unforgiving earth of the craggy plain. 35 damage. Despite having suffered a large amount of damage in your attack, resilience has spared you the worst of it. You stagger to your feet and prepare to rush the mass sorceress just as she appears to be preparing to unleash another attack. It's that check again. Bonus of 59. Need 100 or more. Failure with 63. Another telekinetic attack. Bonus 40. Need 75 or more. Success with 121. 39 damage. She's unleashing another attack. Oh dear. And once more. It's a check. Opponents are 59. Need 100 or more. Success! Finally! 128. You reach Tomithia and strike out at her, causing her to leap back in an attempt to dodge your blow. Although she has avoided your swift attack, your efforts have momentarily prevented her from unleashing more of her deadly magic. Timifica draws herself into a combat-ready stance and holds up her thin, bony hands. Each of her clenched fists bursts into flame and the fierce green of her eyes swiftly replaced by a lurid red glow. With a blood-curgling shriek, the mass sorceress surges towards you, the tips of her toes hovering just inches above the ground. It's Timithra. She's an 18 plus to roll, so, um, yeah, you know, this is, uh, this is one of those fights you probably shouldn't have got in, but I shall use a Neville Energy Blast on her. Oh, she resisted that, okay. Well, I'll use an irresistible one, that's Wave Touch, Wave Touch again, Deadly Fame, Surge Forth. Surge forth from Tamifra's fire-weaved hands. More wave touches. You are engulfed by the flames of Venom's attack for 21 damage. Oh, I gave her 50 damage. And as, and as she was halfway dead, she fled from combat. Okay, okay. She has some survival instincts after all. 29 stamina points healed. You didn't get any XP because she wasn't slain. Gasping loudly, her entire body trembling, Timitha clutches back out of immediate range of your attacks and clutches at her throat. 
eager to seize what you sense is an opportunity to defeat the sorceress. You're about to rush towards her when she suddenly shoots her left hand skyward. In instantly, the ground beneath your feet begins to tremble, and a wide, glowing band of red haze that appears between you and the witch of Carson. Several large, dark silhouettes take form in the midst of the haze. You quickly assume a defensive stance as four silver-armed tuzzle emerge from the vaporous crimson band. The armored reptilians slither forward and attack, their plated arms bursting into flames as they surge at you. From somewhere behind the women of haze, you can hear Tamifra's incessant, rasp, ragged gasping. Is it armor to Zol? I'm just going to quick combat that. Yep, 73 XP. You step back from the remains of the armored reptilian and warily focus your gaze on the next foe. With no time to dwell on your victory, you quickly assume a combat-ready stance as you wait the next of the slivering armoured reptilians. A quick talk combat against another armoured Tazar. 73 experience. 74 experience, that is. You step back from the remains of the armoured reptilian and warily focus your gaze on your next foe. With no time to dwell on your victory, you quickly assume a combat ready stance as you wait the next of the slivering armoured reptilians. Quick combat this one. Oh dear, it, 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 got a, it got a load of those flame attacks in. I'm going to use Hand of Heat Healing. And Slaying for 74 XP and a quick heal. You step back for the remains of the armoured reptilian and warily focus your gaze on your next foe. With no time to dwell in your victory, you quickly assume a combat-ready stance as you wait the next of the slivering armoured reptilians. Quick combat that one. 75 XP. You step back from the remains of the last of the armoured reptilians. The band of crimson haze that separates you from Tamifia, those ragged gasps still resound from beyond the strange barrier, begins to dissipate. In a matter of moments, the gaze has completely vanished, leaving you once again staring across the craggy plain at the gaunt, menacing figure of the masked sorceress. You'll forgive such intermissions, you says, caught callously referring to the battle you just waged against our armoured reptilian millions, for such creatures are obviously unworthy to be set against such a meritorious adversary. The fires of time beckon, I fear, and I must leave you, though we shall meet again soon. Timifra simultaneously sprays long, thin fingers both of her hands, and a shrill, crackling sound rises into the air. The blink of an, e of an eye, you find yourself trapped beneath a translucent dome of golden energy. Through the view on the, pl on the plane outside the dome is obscured, the arched, glowing field of golden energy that surrounds you, you make out the receding figure of Tamifra. Suddenly, she vanishes, leaving you to believe she has disappeared through yet another portal.
realising you must quickly escape from a magical snare. Your eyes scour every inch of the dome that serves as your prison. You swiftly conclude that force, physical or magical, is likely your only chance to break out of the dome. You take a deep breath and begin your assault upon the dome of golden energy. I'm facing an energy dome. It's largely unmarred. Bash, bash, bash. Tines of golden energy arc down at you as you assail the dome. Yes, this is one. You're struck by a powerful energy attack for 12 damage. Another one for 10 damage. Yep, this is another one of those foes that has so much, so much stamina points that you cannot take it down in one round. So I'm going to flee. The, the dome of golden energy appears to be damaged. The seven platinum star coins in your possession suddenly emit a bright silver glow. The glow swiftly fades, leaving you rejuvenated in its wake. 69 stamina points restored. Having somewhat recovered, you quickly resume your assault on the dome. You take a deep breath as you resume your assault on the dome of golden energy. Begin combat with it. Times you're struck by a powerful energy attack for 7 damage. Yes, just got to keep bashing it. It's got about 2,000 health. Wedge into battle rage. Stop containing me, dome. All right, I'm going to flee now. You have fled from combat. The dome of golden energy appears to be heavily damaged. The seven platinum star coins in your possession emit a bright silver glow. The glow swiftly fades leaving you rejuvenated in its wake. 60 stamina points healed, having somewhat recovered, quickly resume your assault on the dome. Take a deep breath as you resume your assault on the dome of golden energy. It's heavily damaged, just gonna give it a few bashes. Bashy, bash, 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 bash. Flee from the combat again. The dome of golden energy appears to be heavily damaged. The coins glow again. They heal me. 63. Oh, here we go. Bashing it again. Bash, 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 this dome. Flee again. Oh, that restores 54. It is now severely damaged. It's probably only three or so blows left. Severely damaged dome. Yep, 20, another 20, it's mostly gone, and it is slain. 263 XP, and 1024 experience to general. With a series of deafening crackles and a surge of intense heat, the dome of golden energy flares brightly for several seconds before disappearing in a cloud of thick grey smoke. You once again able to clearly view your surroundings. Your eyes are immediately drawn to a swinging portal of less than, tw less than 20 yards across. 
across. You dash across the broken ground and hurl yourself into the mouth of a vanishing gate. Darkness engulfs you as you tumble headlong into a silent void. Surrounded by total darkness, you hurtle downwards through what feels like a sea of sea of dense fog. As you plummet through the chill mist, a powerful, disorientating sensation washes over you. Seconds later, both the gloom and the mist swiftly melt away, and you're startled to find you are once again standing on solid ground. As you work to steady yourself, your weary glaze settles upon a scene vastly different than the one that confronted you moments ago. You have no doubt you've been transported back to a different time and place. Okay. And, well, where and when we've ended up, well, we're going to find that out next time. But until then... Farewell, fellow adventurers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.